Remember that time Dan Lanning said he didn't have a big reaction to Colorado leaving the Pac-12 because they haven't won anything in the conference? Yeah, I don't think that was a mistake, and I don't think it matters, but this game certainly does. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I am your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. So if you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch the show, which today is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. So... Colorado, couple notes there, standouts from Saturday, a couple people who caught my eye, and uh, an overall assessment of the Ducks' talent, which right now through three weeks looks pretty darn good. But Dan Lanning, when uh, you know before we were off to the Big Ten in 2024, and it looked like the pack was going to stay together and be on Apple TV and everything like that, said he didn't have a big reaction to Colorado leaving the conference because he was trying to remember what they had won, which is nothing. They went to a Pac-12 championship game. They got blown out by Washington in 2016, and that's the only notable season they've had since joining the Pac-12, uh, up until this one, of course, the last season of the Pac as we know it. But Dan Lanning, you know, has those comments, and I think there, there are some people who, you know, looking ahead of uh, Hawaii, can't believe we're overlooking Hawaii. Uh, I kind of can we're making the point about, well, you know, Deion Sanders is going to use this for bulletin board material. Great. It doesn't matter. I, I'm, I'm here to tell you, even if he does, like that's not even the most bulletin board material quote for Deion Sanders and company, first of all. Second of all, it doesn't matter even if he did. Because what did we hear about Colorado all last week? They, they went on, they made it personal. Is personal now. They made it. It was just going to be a good game. It was just. It was personal. It was the most bulletin board material you could possibly imagine. Sunglasses and hats and mothers and everything of that sort. It was all involved, leading up to that Colorado State game last week. And guess what? It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Like intuition might have told you, hey, if you lose this game, or if you if you go into this game. And you have these motivating factors and you're a superior football team, which Colorado is compared to Colorado State. They didn't look like it on Saturday night. Then Colorado should have been able to go in there and absolutely blow them out. They had the linchpin of bulletin board material last week. I mean, that conversation started on like Wednesday and Dion, as Dion does, was hyping it up and he was playing it up because that's what he does. That's his shtick and it works at some degree. Hopefully it doesn't work well this Saturday against Oregon, but if there's any concern out there amongst Oregon fans or anybody else about, well, you know, what about the comments coming back? Like, I, 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 first of all, I don't think it was that much of a shot. Like Deion Sanders and this Buffs team was not named. The institution was named. And second of all, if you play well enough on the field, bulletin board material just doesn't matter very much. It can, it can have an influence. Sure. I might have contributed to the chippiness of that game. But that sort of vibe is not going to take place at Austin Stadium this Saturday. I really don't see that happening. And 
they had all the motivation in the world to beat Colorado State as badly as they could. And guess what? They should have lost the football game. So if if Coach Prime wants to, you know, portray those comments as like, look at what he thinks of this school or everything, anything like that. Okay, like wh- wh- whatever. That's his prerogative. If he thinks that'll work. It didn't work very well last week. Did not work. It worked for the first couple of weeks. Didn't work as well last week. Which brings me to kind of the... Uh, this game at a glance of sorts. So the, the Ducks right now are 21-point favorites. That line could move one way or the other. It was over 20 uh, before the TCU and Nebraska games, and then it was down to 14 and a half, and now it has swung back up into the 20 range, which is pretty crazy. But when Coach Prime and Colorado are involved, common sense and precedent tend to get thrown out the window. That's just kind of the way that things go. I don't remember the last time a team went from 1-11 to in the top 20 here at the end of September. Like by the time September ends, Colorado will still probably be a top 25 team, even if they lose to Oregon and USC, because Oregon and USC have looked so good to this point. So I think this game, under normal circumstances, would actually be kind of a no-win scenario for the Ducks because they're such a big favorite where it's if you win big, people brush it off. And this happens in college football all the time. They brush it off as, yeah, so you won big. You were supposed to do that. That doesn't mean anything. And if the game's close, it's (laughs) you were supposed to win big. What are you doing? And if you lose outright, then it's a full-fledged disaster. See TCU in week one. I don't think that that exists for the Ducks here going into week four against Colorado, which is a benefit. I think Oregon at some level is going to benefit from the coach prime effect here. Because in another game, let's say Oregon's is a 21-point favorite against Arizona State. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to pay attention to the game. No one's going to talk about it or anything of the sorts. This is a 12.30 Pacific time kick on ABC. Everywhere Coach Prime goes, a big television rating follows, and a lot of media attention goes on the game. That's just the way it works. And we've seen Colorado win as a 20-point underdog earlier this year on the road against TCU when everybody thought they would get blown out. So when you put all of those factors together, Oregon winning big here I don't think gets viewed as, well, they were supposed to win big, even though the betting line might tell you that they should. I think people would look at Oregon winning this game by a few touchdowns if they're able to do that. And I hope they, I certainly hope they are. Prediction will come later in the week. I look at that and say, Oregon's going to get a bigger bump in the national perception of the program right now compared to what they otherwise would have in a normal game where they're a big favorite at home. Because Colorado is a top 20 team. And Colorado is a huge brand right now. Maybe the, probably the biggest brand in college football is Colorado and Coach Prime, which is a crazy thing to say. But amongst the most casual or you know not super committed college football fans in the country, what do they know right now in college sport? Everybody knows Dion, right? It's like LeBron James. You say, you go up to someone who never watches the NBA, name a basketball player. Who are they going to name? LeBron James. If you go up to someone who doesn't watch college football and say, name a college football coach, who do you think they're going to say? It's probably either Nick Saban or Deion Sanders, which is a crazy place to be, but that's the world that we live in right now. So I think the bump could be there. The Ducks are number 10 in the AP poll. We moved up a couple spots after, uh, I think we are 12 the, the week prior or 13, and uh, look, we'll, we'll take it, right? That sort of stuff can't hurt. Perception matters a great deal in, in this sport. 
And the perception of blowing out Colorado is a lot stronger than the perception of, you know, what we did uh, down in Tucson against Arizona last year, for instance. And I think those teams are kind of comparable. Colorado might be a touch better because their quarterback's better than Arizona was last year, who ended up being a respectable five and seven football team, by the way, and beat UCLA on the road as a 20 point underdog. College football's crazy nowadays. 20 points as a favorite is not what it used to be. Uh, all the time. Look at Florida State, for instance. They were like a 28.5 point favorite. They almost lost outright uh, on the road against Boston College. Pretty, pretty nuts. But I feel like we keep seeing that uh, more and more all over the place. Last year, though, Oregon beat Arizona 49 to 22. If that happens in this football game, which is a score that I can definitely see coming to fruition, if Oregon plays the way that they're capable of and clean up the penalties, that is not going to be just, ah, well, you know, that's eh, a nice win and everything. It's going to give you a little bit more oomph in the national media landscape, and that's just never a bad thing uh, as Oregon gets into Pac-12 play here and looks to get back to the Pac-12 championship game and, uh, God willing, the college football playoff. Though A lot of things have to go right for that to take place. A lot of things went right on Saturday, and a lot of individuals uh, made that happen. You can make stuff happen in your bank account one way or the other, perhaps, but hopefully in the positive way. If you go check out FanDuel, you can snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel. Uh, that's America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's a pretty darn good deal, which is why you should go check it out. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on the action. If you want to, if you think Oregon is going to just blow the doors off Colorado and embarrass Coach Prime and beat him by 25, 30 points, you may go bet the line. Anyone and everyone can do as much. The app is easy to use. It's got a great interface. There's a wide range of betting options, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on, kick off the NFL season, and perhaps more importantly, keep the college football season rolling and spice it up a bit. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. People have suggested before I should get the second segment sip sponsored. It's just an idea. It's not a bad one. Here's an idea. Let's talk about a couple more people who stood out to me on uh, on Saturday because there were a lot of uh, individuals who I thought had really, really good games that I didn't necessarily have time or think about yesterday when, uh, when I did the show. But uh, Treshawn Holden had a really good football game, and I was encouraged to see that. I, I was you know, really excited about the, uh, well, I don't know about really excited, but I was excited about what he could bring to the table, replacing Chase Cota as kind of that, you know, possession possession receiver that's got more speed than you'd think. And I think Treshawn Holden is just a more bulked up version of Chase Cota. And we saw that on, on Saturday when he busted that long touchdown. He showed, I know it was against Hawaii, but speed is speed. And I, I did not, I hadn't seen him make a play like that for the Ducks. And, and to me, just reinforces what I thought going into last week, which is the wide receivers are the best unit for the Ducks so far in 2023. Like the, the depth and talent that we have. Chris Hudson still doesn't have a reception this year, and he's the second leading receiver for the Ducks uh, coming out of 2022. Like that's how crazy talented these guys are. Tez Johnson and Bo Nix, they've got that chemistry nailed down. Treshawn Holden had a great game. We see what the potential is there. Gary Bryant has been really good. Troy Franklin is a stud. 
And then you look at the other pass catching options, and I like the tight end room a lot. I think Kenyon Sadiq is going to continue to see more time as the season progresses. He's just a physically unique player in that tight end room, who I think all have been solid, by the way. Casey Kelly, Patrick Herbert, Terrence Ferguson, Kenyon Sadiq, we have seen them all. I thought that would be the top four coming into this year. It has been. They have been good. They have caught passes when when throwing the ball. Not a ton, but some. Their blocking has been rock solid as well. Um, but Treshawn Holden, I, I thought, really stood out when he you know, caught that zip from Ty Thompson. <clears throat> We're going to talk about Ty Thompson in a moment. Uh, I, thought that was, I, I, I thought that was excellent. Uh, Noah Whittington, another guy. Man, he looks faster. I mean, last year he looked good, and I love the way he runs. He, he is the king of balance. He is a balanced bowling ball out there on the field. I think his ability to navigate between the tackles, to absorb contact and stay on his feet and then accelerate makes him a unique runner in the in, in the Oregon running back room. I think Jordan James is uh, a more dynamic version of C.J. Verdell, which is kind of a one-cut downhill physical runner, but I think he's got more wiggle than Verdell did. And Bucky Irving is just shifty as can be. And all three of these guys are playing and I think will continue to do so because of their distinct styles and because they're all really good and very productive. And I, I think they all bring something to the table a little bit different. And I, I think that's exceptional for the offense. But I, I mean, we, we saw Whittington, you know, bust some long runs against uh, Arizona last year. He had a big touchdown against Cal. He had some great runs against Washington as well. I, I mean, when he's in the open field, like when he had uh, that fourth and one carry against Hawaii and he went and he high stepped down the sideline at one point with the hesitation, his burst, his, his, his giddy up looks better than last year. And it was really good last year. I thought he was Oregon's best home run hitting back last year. I think he still is this season, but when he makes a guy miss in the second level, he he's, he's looking like an NFL running back uh, to me. You know, we'll save that discussion perhaps more for the off season and such, but I, I've been really, really impressed with the way that he looks like an even better version of himself than he was in 2022 when he was really, really good, you know, ran for over 800 yards, a uh, bunch of touchdowns as well. You know, Jordan James had a lot of them, but he and Irving were so great last year and now it's a three-headed attack. And, um, you know, I've been impressed with Jordan James. Bucky Irving's the same guy, which is great. I, th I think Whittington arguably looks the most impressive of the three. His speed looks like it has taken a jump forward and how about that dude, Carlos Lachlan? Man, uh, that guy looks like a really good running backs coach. Like, I love things he says at practice, but the players he's brought in, the development, the depth, I, I, I yeah. A lot of good hires on this staff by Dan Lanning. Carlos Lachlan is at or near the top of the list uh, in terms of assistant coach hires because they, they've been so, so good. Um Another one defensively before he gets to Ty Thompson, Jaleel Florence, who I was really high on last year as a true freshman. You know, he was a talented recruit, and I thought, hey, uh, you know, he and his old uh, teammate from high school, Jaleel Tucker, are they going to be a dynamic duo? Tucker wasn't able to see the field, transfers to San Diego State. Florence stays around, and I thought last year, you know, I remember singing his praises all the time, saying, I, I think that guy can be – a shutdown corner in this conference and an all-conference caliber player, he has taken a step forward. I think that much is really, really clear. Aside from the trick play against Texas Tech, which 
you know, props to the Red Raiders for busting out a good play call. And he recovered, so it wasn't, you know, a touchdown or anything, but, you know, got beat over the top. I can't think of a moment this year in which Florence has been beaten. Like, the best corners sometimes you never hear from. And Florence is very much operating in that space where we're just not hearing from him a lot. And I think it's because he's just become really difficult to beat. I think his physicality and, and tackling that, you know, was one of his weaker areas, I think, last year has improved. And I think his coverage skills are excellent. And, and I remember what I said about him the first time he took the field in the spring game in 2022, which was, boy, he's got some room to go, grow, but he's a true freshman and he looks like he belongs. That guy does more than belong. And this is a crowded secondary. I mean, you have Triquez Bridges back from last year, Dante Manning back from last year, and you bring in Kyrie Jackson, you bring in Nico Reed. And from what I have seen on the depth chart and in the playing time, it looks like Jalil Florence has kind of worked his way above Triquez Bridges, who is still playing, but not as much as he was a season ago. And, you know, your top two corners on the depth chart each of the last few weeks Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I look at them every week when they get released by by the guys at 24-7, and it's it's Jaleel Florence and Kyrie Jackson. And then you have Triquez Bridges and Dante Manning who, you know, see the field regularly as well. But for Florence to have made that jump, I think is telling because of the number of guys that are in that room that have experience, that have talent and potential. And I, I think Florence is starting to realize his potential. And he, um, right, right now, if I had to make a prediction, I'd say... You know, this season, it's a tad early, so we will see. But next year, if he continues on this, you know, trajectory of improvement, I think he can be an all-conference caliber corner, which is what I always thought his potential was. And I, I think he's he's shown that to this point. So I, I love, uh, love love seeing that from, from him. Uh, and to push the other guys in that secondary room as well, because there are plenty of talented players, and best guys got to win out, best guys got to see the field. And I think Florence has been uh, really, really good this year. Let's talk about everybody's favorite guy to see the field when the game gets out of hand, and that's Ty Thompson. What did we see from Ty Thompson? We saw a better version of what we've seen in the past. Spencer, it's a small sample size, and it's against Portland State and Hawaii. Fact check, true. That is correct. You know what else was a small sample size against lesser opponents? Everything Ty Thompson has put on tape in the past couple of years. And I am not on here claiming he can he he will be the starter in 2024. But do I feel better about his prospects to do so now than I did a year ago at this time? Absolutely. Do I feel better now than I did in spring football even? Absolutely. Portland State's an FCS opponent. He had a great game. Okay, well, how about a group of five opponent? Well, look like if Ty had started this game instead of Bo Nix for some reason, Oregon would have been able to move the ball just fine. I think that touch pass to Noah Whittington on the wheel route was really, really good. And those are the sorts of throws he wasn't able to make previously. It was kind of all gas, no breaks. And he's found that right in between on those touch passes. He shows off the arm strength. Treshawn Holden makes a play, of course, to you know boost his quarterback rating a hair with the long touchdown. But he made the right read, put the ball on the money. It's got elite zip. He was a highly rated recruit, the highest at the quarterback position in program history for a reason because he's got an elite arm. And I've just seen him make throws against Portland State and against Hawaii that I don't care who the opponent is, he's showing off the arm strength in a refined way that we just haven't seen in years past. So he looks 
like he is progressing and getting better. And Will Stein deserves credit for that. And Ty Thompson deserves credit for that. He is looking more and more like a guy who can start in 2024 at the very least. I, I, don't, I don't know how he isn't going to be given a chance based on what we've seen. And, you know, the coaches speak well of him in practice. And, and Ty Thompson has stuck it out for a reason. If he didn't have any path to being a starting quarterback, I don't think he'd still be a duck. But he clearly believes that he does. And the information we have seen, it's still limited. We should see him again against Stanford because the Cardinal are not particularly good. And that game should get well in hand, which will be hopefully another opportunity for him to play, maybe against Arizona State as well. But I I have liked what I've seen from him so far. And it's not a tell-all, but it's a step in the right direction. And against Portland State, I said, well, I want to see it against Hawaii. Well, now now we saw it again against Hawaii. And he looks, you know, far more competent back there than he did the last couple of years operating the offense and and making certain throws. So I like seeing that. Curious as to your comments, drop them in the YouTube comment section or hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. We play Colorado at Austin Stadium this weekend. What if you wanted to go to that game? If you want to go to that game, you know where you should go? Game time. Because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have flash deals at the last minute to get you tickets the day of the game. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get images of your seat before you buy them as well so you can see exactly what you'll be looking at if you purchase those particular tickets and if you want to go elsewhere, what the price is and everything, they've got everything that you need. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code Locked On College for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All righty. A thought that I had after having watched a lot of Pac-12 football over the last few weeks, as I am prone to do as a host of Locked On Pac-12 and just as a Pac-12 football fan in general, enjoying the conference in the final year of its existence, I've come to a conclusion, at least through non-conference play, there is still more data to be gathered. But I look at Oregon's team, I look at the rest of the Pac-12 teams, and this conference is just absolutely loaded. We have eight teams in the top 25, as we should, Half the league or five teams were ranked before the season started. Colorado, UCLA, and Washington State have joined the party ever since then. Don't know if they'll stay in the top 25 all season long. Odds are at least one of them falls out by the time the year comes to a close because they'll just suffer so many losses. But the league is really, really good. It's really, really deep. But when I think about Oregon and, and where they stand at this point in time, Sure, there are areas that have to improve. Secondary's got to stop committing penalties. Defense in general, we have to see the offensive line have a better run-blocking game against a Power 5 team. Should be able to run the ball very successfully this weekend against Colorado. But when I think about what Oregon needed to improve from last year and what we have seen so far, the evidence tells me that Oregon is not only good enough to win the Pac-12, but that that should be as I said before the season, a standard for the expectation, for what our goals should be. Like, if you don't get to the conference championship game, that'd be a disappointment. And as I look around at this team and talk about individual players and units and everybody about that, ask yourself this question. What's the weakest unit for Oregon right now? When I said that the receivers were the 
strongest unit. I said the secondary was was the weakest, but that's a relative weakness compared to the rest of the team. Like, think about the biggest questions that we had coming into the season about Oregon, right? Offensively, only thing I wondered about was the offensive line. I don't think Bo Nix has been sacked yet, maybe one time. They are, in the pass protection sense, every bit as good as they were last year, which is really impressive because the standard was set so high a year ago. And then in the run blocking sense, there's still more to prove on that front. But again, that's not a weakness. That's a got to be able to get better. Hope they can be able to, to, you know, produce better than they better results than they did on the ground against Texas Tech. So that was one question. It's a pretty good answer to this point in the season. The defensive line, that was a question. Better on paper, but is it better on the field? Boy, it looks better on the field. Four sacks and one uh, called back because of a flag against the Red Raiders against Texas Tech. Pressure enough on Tyler Shuck to turn him over four times and sack him four times. Pressure led to a turnover against Hawaii. Had a couple more sacks in this game. Didn't allow a touchdown, the starting unit, against a competent G5 passing attack. Like, they look more physical. They've got a mix of talent and depth that I like. Feeling good about that unit right now. And that was a legitimate question. We'll see how they hold up as the year goes on, but the early returns are good. How about the linebackers, right? Replacing some guys there, bringing in new players, Jamal Hill changing positions. Playmaking has been prevalent at the linebacker position. Bryce Betcher looks great. Jeffrey Bossa, I think, is much improved. Jamal Hill has been solid. Like, they've all made impact plays through the first couple of weeks, and that was... Uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Sorely missing from the linebacking unit a season ago. Consistent, big-time impact plays. How about the defensive backs? I was talking about Jaleel Florence earlier, cracking the top of the rotation in a deep, talented group. They're not lacking speed, which I think is improved and was an issue a year ago, and they're not lacking experience. Across the board, they've got tremendous depth. So I don't worry about the overall talent on this team. It'll come down to the X's and O's. It'll come down to cleaning up the penalties, having the right scheme, having the right game plan, making the right play calls at the right time. Because I don't see a team in the Pac-12, though there are some really good ones for sure, that are just going to out-talent Oregon. I I don't see a giant glaring weakness at this point in time. So I I think Oregon's talent is good enough to win the Pac-12. I thought that before the season, but it's different when the results start playing out on the field. Early returns, though, or that they are good enough to play at that sort of level, it'll come down to the coaching and players making plays on Saturdays this year. But so far, we've made enough plays to be 3-0 and look mostly good doing it, though not perfect against Texas Tech. But good teams win when they don't play well. And Oregon didn't play their best brand of football against the Red Raiders and still won a road game against a Power 5 team. And I think that when you think about the schedule they've got, it's going to be challenging. There's no doubt about it. But talent-wise, I think as we talked about in the offseason, they appear up to the task. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.